With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, this is my jam. This is my jam. Turn it up. Oh, yeah. Let's go. What is up, my friends? Ah, yes. And welcome to the UFC 273 preview show. Here on MMA Fighting, my name is Sean Rashadi, and I am joined by the crew. You already know. Let me bring them in. We're switching roles here. The host with the most. He's in that panelist chair now. He's out there at Jacksonville. He's been killing it all week. The host of Heck of a Morning and so many other shows. My man, Mike Heck. Of course, also joining him out there in Jacksonville, my Arizona brother, Jose Youngs. And rounding out the panel here, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North himself, Alexander Kaylee. Uh, and we have the undefeated E. Casey Landon, man in the boards in the back as usual. And let's get rolling, fellas, because we have a lot to get to today. UFC 273, it is almost upon us, my friends. One more sleep, as our good friend John Anik says. And what a card. What a card. Probably the best lineup of 2022 so far. Two title fights at the top. You got the moment of truth for Hamzat Shemaev, a loaded undercard. So, Mike, I'm going to throw this to you first to set the table. When you look at what we're working with out there on Saturday, is this the best card so far of 2022? Is this the most excited for a UFC event you have been this year so far? So when this card was coming together, I was getting those vibes, especially when you had Kelvin Gaslam and Nasruddin Imavov. You had fights like Drekas Duplessis versus Chris Curtis. And then we saw kind of all the shuffling up with the middleweight fights. So I guess like with some of the changes that happened along the way, like even the Irini Aldana part, even her not having to fall out. We got Raquel Pennington, which is cool, but I was kind of wanted to see, see how Irina Aldana would, would, would cope with that situation against somebody like Aspen Ladd, who had a lot to prove herself. Still like the fight with Rocky. So it, it lost a little bit of sizzle on that end for me, but I got to tell you, Sean, when it comes to where my levels were 
heading in. Like when I got here on Tuesday, I was feeling a certain way about this card. But as this week has progressed, we are now a little more than 24 hours away from it happening. My excitement levels are through the roof. I think this card is fantastic. This is one of those fights where, I mean, especially the main card. You cannot go wrong with the main card. It's it's outstanding. Uh, even some of the even the prelim fights are really strong. Some competitive matchups, some good storylines. Can we? Can certain fighters get to that next level? I think it's a, one of those perfectly matched cards, and then some really good prospects that have to answer some questions too. So as far as as far as this fight card and as far as like excitement levels, I was probably coming in at about an eight point one. I'm in the nines right now, Sean. No doubt about it. Well, I mean. I'm right there with you, Mike. I mean, obviously, two title fights. Those are usually what's taken center stage in people's hearts, right? I mean, Alexander Volkanovsky, Korean Zombie, hell of a fight. You have Volkanovsky out there. He's one of the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. It's a gift every time we get to see this man perform. And then Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, too. Hell of a fight. Again, a rivalry that's been building for more than a year, and it finally culminates this weekend. But if we're being honest, we're not stupid. Like, y'all, y'all are not blind to what we have seen this week. The numbers, the traffic, the attention – Hamzat Shamaya versus Gilbert Burns has stolen the show this week. And so Jose first, and then I want to go to AK as well. I want your thoughts on this question. For you guys, what is getting you peaked the most right now? What is getting you the most excited? If you could order the top three fights here uh, on Saturday in terms of interest from most to least for you, Jose, where are you going? I think it's an unfair question for me to answer because, as I've said many a time on many a preview show, many a post-fight show, back in the day, the Stone Ages, when the A-side was still a thing on Wednesdays at 1 p.m., I've said this. The Korean Zombie is my favorite fighter in the history of mixed martial arts, so I'm going to buy any pay-per-view with him on the poster, but I understand that the interest level is being driven by Hamza Shemaev. If you look at our YouTube numbers, he's the only one that hit six figures immediately. Everyone else, including the champions, did very, very well. As you said, this is one of the most stacked cards of the year, so the interest is clearly there top to bottom, but uh, basically take the interest level for any fight and multiply it by 10, and that's what Hamza Shemaya does. But me personally, it's, I can't say. No. No. <laughs> this can't happen. No. What? No, no. This happens. I told. Oh, I knew this back. was going to happen, and I know I myself. I, I, saw, I saw it coming, and I didn't get ahead of it. This happens every time. But Korean Zombie, for me personally, but I understand it's the, it's the Hamza show this week. AK, what about you order the top three fights for interest? It's kind of like Jose is saying. I'm, I'm probably a lot higher in the main event than some. Uh, we talked about a lot on the uh, weigh-ins this morning, like how even though the Korean Zombie is not the, you know, was not the, you know, the, the, the fighter that we thought we were going to get, especially Max Holloway, and there was maybe a few sexier options, he's still the Korean freaking Zombie, one of the most exciting fighters in MMA history. So I think that's still worthy of being number one. I will respect the bout order. No, no, I just changed my mind. I just changed my mind. I just, I just, I just did it. This is live television. I just changed it. No, I'm going to go, but I'm still going to stick with one of the title fights. I I am really fascinated by the Aljo Piotr Jan rivalry. Uh, Again, I'm one of the people who's probably a bigger fan of uh, Aljamain Sterling's pre Jan resume than most. Again, I feel like a lot of people have sort of forgotten how good his run was up to the title because it was a fight that. Most people perceive that Jan was winning. Two of the judges certainly had it that way. And then there's that ugly DQ ending, which definitely had some uh, had people feeling some type of way. Completely understandable. We'd never seen a fight end in this uh, championship fight end in this qualification before and have a new champion crowned in that way. So I understand the uh, Sterling animosity, but I think bantamweight is the best division in MMA right now. I think these are the two best bantamweights in the world. Uh, so I am very excited uh, to see that. I will put that number one 
I cannot disrespect the main event, so I'll put keep that number two. Uh, but I, but I mean, look, Burns Shamayev, as far as non-title fights go, is right behind there. I completely see why it is the most talked about fight. I think I don't know if we just saw some reported that Dana White uh, was saying that it's trending on social much higher than the two main events. That's fine. Look, Volkanovski has never been a household name. Uh, Aljo and uh, the bantamweights are still. I feel like they're not getting the respect they deserve. And Hamza has just been the man of the moment ever since he stepped onto Fight Island. Now he is getting a legitimate number one contenders fight. How can people not be talking about it? Um, he's got he's had all the viral clips go out this week. Everything with him and Darren Till, the people just love. People just consume everything Shamayev related. So still third for me. I will respect the bad order for the most part, other than flipping the two title fights as far as what my preference is but uh but other than that um yeah it's a it's a it's a great main card it's crazy that we're like i know we're gonna talk about the other main card fights uh, as well at least one of them is really really intriguing um but yeah that's that's a great top three in any order i'm shocked i'm shocked at what i'm hearing i'm not gonna lie like there's the the people's main event is the biggest intrigue on this card you're talking about respecting the bad order okay i'm not respecting the bad order at all today normally we would i'll be honest we would never do this but it feels like we have to start with hamza shemaev versus gilbert burns when we're deep diving into this it's the biggest intrigue on the card for a lot of people out there myself included if i was going to rank it that would be my number one easily uh y'all already know the stats the historic start, 4-0 so far in his UFC run. He's out striking opposition out there, 254-2 to two in total strikes, 112-1 to one in significant strikes. You have all these highlight re- real finishes. Knocks out Gerald Mearshard in 17 seconds. Sends Li Long to, to dreamland very quickly. And now we have Gilbert Burns, a man who is unquestionably, for all of us, I think, a top three or top four or top five welterweight in the world. He's in that range. He was this close to knocking out Kamar Usman and becoming UFC welterweight champion. Mike, you're out there on the ground in Jacksonville. You spoke to Hamzat this week. You saw him firsthand at the presser on Thursday. What's your read right now on this fight, the dynamic we've seen between these guys all week, how Hamzat has handled the spotlight, all of it? I mean, it's funny, Sean, because I found a quiet spot in the hotel, but as soon as you mentioned Hamzat Shemaev's name, everyone just started going bananas. And that explains <laughs> everything that is happening in Jacksonville right now. Because you mentioned that man's name, it brings people together. Like, it's like, it's, it's, it's this thing where it's, you hear it in your ears and you're just drawn towards wherever that sound is coming from. That is what it has been like. And the way people have approached this fight and have asked me about this fight it's not if Hamzad is going to win, it's when Hamzad is going to win. Gilbert Burns is the most overlooked fighter, maybe of 2022 right now. No one is giving this man a chance to win this fight, which is wild because Gilbert Burns, like you said, was seconds away from becoming the UFC welterweight champion, from dethroning the number one pound for pound fighter and the only rankings that truly matter, the MMA fighting global rankings. This guy was so close to doing it. And then he bounces back after a tough performance beats Wonderboy Thompson, and now he gets this opportunity to fight Hamzad Shemaev, and it's all about Hamzad. I had somebody tell me this, and I think it's actually true. The way Hamzad approaches these fights, the confidence he has is unbelievable, but at the same time, when he speaks, when he talks about these fights, it's almost like he's got a string attached to his back. You just pull the string, and then there's like one of 12 quotes that he'll say over and over again, and nobody cares. They just want to hear him do anything. <laughs> if he clapped his hands, people just want to hear it. I hate the fact that there's a human being on this earth that would take a live microphone and slam it on the table. It makes me very upset. 
but he did it a thousand times and no one cared on Thursday. I almost stopped caring after like the 999th microphone slam. The aura this guy brings to the table is like nothing I've ever seen before in the UFC. And that includes Conor McGregor because people with Conor's rise, people paid attention, but people doubted Conor along the way. Nobody outside of Gilbert Burns and his team and maybe Gilbert Burns' family, nobody seems to be doubting Hamzat Shemaev. And it's just unbelievable to see, Sean. You're not wrong, Mike. And I mean, Jose, you were at that presser too. I actually really found that presser to be relatively interesting when it came to the Hamzat Gilbert dynamic, because I mean, this was a bit of a different side of Hamzat Shemaev than we've ever seen. It, it seems like it was someone who was still getting used to the lights a little bit, still getting used to that big stage, at least a big stage like that. And it even kind of sounded like Gilbert Burns got under his skin, at least maybe a little bit. What have you taken away from being there on, on the ground in Jacksonville, the interactions between these guys this week? And has any of that changed your mind at all about this fight and your expectations going in? Well, it doesn't surprise me that Hamzat's kind of a psychopath. I, I say that looking around because he's obviously <laughs> been in the lobby this whole time. <laughs> um, but every time I've seen him interact with any other fighter, it's he does the same thing. He just immediately goes for like an arm drag or an underhook or he fakes a leg kick. I'm like, this dude is just even pretending to get in fights all of the time. And then he's even like, Gilbert, we don't have to wait for Saturday. We can go fight backstage right now. So that man is operating on just a different level of humanity in terms of wanting to just violently get into fisticuffs with another human being. So not surprised. I don't think it was necessarily I. he got under, Gilbert got under his skin. I think it was every bit uh just wants to do violent things to other humans and that just kind of is leaking out uh at press conferences when he's cutting weight and he's clearly very miserable uh into hydra because he's like also a big thing i took away is this is really the first time i've been around him uh, like in the same vicinity with him for long periods of time hamzat is massive he is bigger than john strickland if john strickland was here he would look like a welterweight and hamzat would look like a light heavyweight so for him to cut down to to 170 he's probably miserable and he doesn't want to do media at all so he's just going to take it out on everybody so yeah like even like i see mike bond sitting over here hamza said he was going to fight mike bond and he was just asking questions at the press conference so that should tell you how that man is operating on fight week. he's coming for everybody no one's safe just watch your backs out there in jacksonville both of you fellas uh i mean we saw it on thursday mike you you spoke to john anik about ufc 273 you guys did a little card preview by the way, go check that out, folks, on the MMA Fighting YouTube or Pot Network after we're done here. It's great stuff. Uh, but we all know John to a certain extent, John Anik. I mean, we know how he is with this stuff. He's not a man who just says things willy-nilly. Like, he's not prone to hyperbole or just these wild sweeping statements unless it's something he actually means and believes. And so when I hear someone like him say that Hamzat Shemaev is the most incredible prospect he's ever seen in the UFC, I can't help but my eyes widen a little bit. So, AK, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, we've seen this in the past. The guys who, as soon as they step on the scene, they just feel different. They just feel uh, almost inevitable, right? That The John Jones, the Cain Velasquez, the, the Habib Nurmagomedovs. Does Hamza Shavayev have that same vibe to you of inevitability? Yeah, there's there's definitely something about uh, Hamzat that feels more substantial than some other uh, hyped up names that we've had. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you you wouldn't you you wouldn't want to put him in there in the same you know the same talk as like a, a Sage Northcutt. There, there was a lot of hype there as well. Um, it 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 feels more substantial. I mean, I know that's not a sexy word to use, but it's kind of based on sort of the, again the, the hype going in. 
yes, he was a relative unknown on Fight Island. I'm sure there's a lot of people who will tell you, oh, I knew Hamzat was going to be was going to be this beast. And now we have this revelation that Brian Stan apparently at a Q&A, what, six years ago, uh, was was vaguely talking about some uh, some fighter he saw in Sweden, which uh, apparently he was talking about Hamzat Shemaev. So uh, this, this, this buzz has been real. Like this guy has, he only has, what, 10 pro fights. This will be his 11th pro fight. But there is this, this history to him. Uh, he's like been this boogeyman, I guess, on the fringes of, of, of the MMA mainstream. And now when he finally got his chance at the UFC, I mean, my goodness, you know, you can question, oh, the first two, the first two names he beat in the UFC, you know, yeah, they're not with the promotion anymore. They weren't like exactly like accomplished fighters in the UFC anyway. But to do what he did to them, these are still grown men. They just still are professional level fighters who made it to the UFC. That was insane. To do that in ten day, uh, in, in the span of ten days, completely insane. To blow out a veteran like Jared Mearshart, insane, insane. I don't care if you thought that that Shemaev was levels above him. Very few people have done that to Jared Mearshart. And then uh, Li Jingliang, a legitimate top fifteen, at worst top twenty welterweight contender. No matter what your rankings are, I think you've, if you have him outside the top twenty, that's bizarre. And he and he crushed him. So it, it's one thing to have this mystique. We keep saying, man, it's it's his persona is is effective it's it's attractive his uh the, the the talk the hype is very real it's very tempting to buy into and then when you see him fight it is it just confirms all whatever whatever biases positive biases you may have had going in it confirms those right and 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 that's what we want to see as fans we want i think there's a cynicism but also we want to see our our hopes for certain fighters confirmed. We want to believe that we're watching history as it's unfolding. And that's the sense you get every time Shemaev gets in there. And we've, we've mentioned sort of the buzz around him that's unlike anyone, including like a Conor McGregor. And he is he is accomplishing uh, things the way that Conor McGregor did coming up, which was he would be given these tests and then and, and pass with spectacular or, or at least do enough. You know, the Chad Mendes fight, he was challenged, but then still finishes with a knockout and then Jose Aldo 13 seconds immortal and then Madison Square Garden knocks out Eddie Alvarez I mean that's a run that makes you immortal Shemaev if he if he destroys Gilbert Burns I mean his first five fights in the UFC will be up there with any five fight stretch by any athlete to ever compete uh, in the promotion in history and I don't think that's hyperbole at all so yes it's okay to be excited is is the, the short version of all that yeah, I mean, it seems like he even turned the leech. I mean, Li Jing Long's a fan out there now. He's asking questions. He's enjoying it. Like, he's enjoying being part of this experience. It's very weird. All of it. I mean, Mike, the disrespect. I mean, we've seen the odds. We're sitting here talking. It's probably been 15 minutes. We're barely talking about Gilbert Burns. Is the world overlooking Gilbert Burns here? Is everyone overlooking Gilbert Burns? And do you feel like, personally, having interacted with him this week, do you think he kind of enjoys that? You know, I, I thought he really did enjoy it. Media day, I thought he was, uh, he, he said a lot of interesting things that he enjoyed being the underdog. He feels like he's the underdog in every fight. He's been the underdog in the last like five or six fights that he's had. You said something that I, I thought was interesting, Sean. You said that you felt at times maybe Gilbert got under Hamzat's skin. I actually felt the opposite way. I actually thought Hamzat got Gilbert out of his comfort zone during that press conference. I think Gilbert tried to play around and have some fun. And I think Hamzat just wasn't having it kind of like jose said he has violent intentions all the time like you can't even ask this man a question he doesn't want to do press conferences he wants to get in there bludgeon people and i think at that point i think throughout the press conference like hamzat was getting a little irritated and he took it out on gilbert and there were certain points like when hamzat Shamayev said i'm i i'm actually more brazilian than you are i think it really got to gilbert burns i think that one kind of like got to got under his skin a little bit and maybe they got they both got it under each other's skin but Gilbert 
Burns has, is not really a trash talker. Like the only time he comes out and gets and gets really emotional about things that he wants is when he was trying to get when he was on that big winning streak. He was trying to fight the Tyron Woodleys and the Colbys and some of these top five guys that wouldn't fight him. This was the first time in a long time I've seen Gilbert like seem upset and talking back. Hamzat got to him. He got to Hamzat, and maybe it's just Gilbert like playing the game, trying to to boost revenue and boost pay per view buys and all that stuff, and, and driving interest. But I thought that was actually really interesting that Gilbert played the game and got involved and was, uh, you know, calling for translators and doing all these things, just talking a little noise. Like that's that's very unlike Gilbert Burns. So I think he likes it. I think he relishes it. And he says at the media day that he didn't really feel like he had a chip on his shoulder. The press conference yesterday tells me otherwise. I think his, his, the, the chip on his shoulder is massive. Might even be bigger than Aljamain Sterling's, if we're being honest. And and that's a good thing. That's what makes this fight even more compelling to me. Absolutely. And I, I think one thing we do need to say, just right up at the top, I mean, give credit to Gilbert Burns for, I mean, he did not need to be here, right? Like, he absolutely did not need to be here. He could have turned this fight down. He could have said, hey, this guy's too low ranked. I want to fight a real contender. Give me a Colby Covington or a Bilal Muhammad or even a Sean Brady. And instead, he's given this guy that I think we're all talking about as this next big thing a chance to steal his job, a chance to steal his spot. So there's so much respect in the world you have to give to Gilbert Burns for this. And so Jose, in your eyes, I mean, how do you feel like Gilbert has handled this whole spot? Uh, I think the press conference was really the only time I saw Gilbert even kind of remotely phased by anything Hamza Shemaev because like Gilbert Burns has fought like the hoops who at lightweight and welterweight like like we've all said before he was so close to knocking off the pound for pound best fighter on planet earth and now he's even training uh, with he's training again with Mar who's with San for MMA so I think he's been handling it well in sense that like I think to him a lot of it is funny too like if you watch the most recent embedded that came out they they show more footage of that run they had at the sauna and Hamzat is literally in the in the hallway like flexing hitting his chest and yelling and hyping it up and Gilbert's just like at the end of the hallway just like looking at him and laughing like it's like what are you doing bro we're about to fight in two days like chill out like Gilbert Burns is in every every sense of the word a veteran of this sport he's by far I don't care what Hamza Shemayev says as I look around again. Um, Gilbert Burns is his toughest test. He's fought. I think we can all agree with. I understand what Hamza saying. Maybe he doesn't want to build up his opponent too much. But and as Darren Till even said, Darren Till said, like you'd be foolish not to say to say that Hamza's not even at, not a little nervous for this fight. So I think Gilbert is handling this well. He's laughing at Hamza. He had a little fun back and forth, but like you said, it's all business to him. And I, I truly believe what. I truly believe Gilbert when he says it's all business, nothing personal. It's all of it is just so fascinating. The dynamic between yeah. these guys. Every time they run into each other, it's magic. I, I'm I am so intrigued by all of this. Last thing, AK, and then we'll make the picks on this fight. We're gonna cross this bridge when we come to it, probably on Sunday or I guess late Saturday. Uh, but if Hamzat Shemayev goes in there and he does Hamzat Shemayev things at UFC 273. Is his next fight for the title? Is there a chance he jumps poor Leon Edwards? What are the possibilities here in your eyes with how this could go? First, I will tip the cap to Mike Heck, uh, who has, has been saying all day that he loves a scenario where, Gil where Gilbert Burns fights Leon Edwards for an interim title. That would be great in a fair and just world if, you know, especially if Karim Usman, for whatever reason, just wants to take time off. He's been a very active champion. He deserves it. He's made his money. Kind of wait to see how the, how the tea leaves, you know, uh, play out at, uh, at welterweight. However, 
<laughs> However, there's also that part of me that one wants to see Usman Shemaev tomorrow, and two, I've been saying this since uh, Shemaev's last win, that Usman should go after him. That Usman should get this guy before he becomes prime Shemaev, before he, before he becomes 100% Shemaev, whatever term you want to use. Uh, may, maybe he's already there. I don't know. But I think a lot of us assume a guy who's only 10 pro fights into his career, probably we haven't seen the best of him yet. Uh, now, is, is he good enough now to beat Usman? Maybe. Will he be good enough now? You know, a few fights from now, will he be even better? Probably. So, uh, yeah, if Usman is not planning to take time off and wants to call the shots – I think you tell you you kind of put those feelers out there and say, with respect to Leon Edwards, Shamayev is clearly the na- the buzzy name, is clearly the one everyone wants to see. It's going to sell more pay per views. That's that's the bottom line, right? He gets a cut, he gets he gets points. He wants the most points he can get before this crazy MMA train is over. So so I think there is a chance that Usman and his management, and whoever else involved in making decisions calls for that Shamayev fight, and that yes, we can- it sounds so horrible to say. That uh, Leon Edwards has Leon Edwards has to again wait for a title opportunity. Oh. Hopefully, he doesn't have to. Hopefully, he doesn't have to fight again, but could have to wait for a title opportunity. And knowing him, probably would fight again because there's just so much uncertainty. You know, when you, once another, if once another fight gets booked, he could be waiting six months, seven months, eight months, nine months. We have no idea. He'd probably would have to fight again. But uh, again, I like the interim title idea more. However, uh, if you're Usman, I'm just saying you might be able to control this this Shemayev situation before it gets out of control. Oh, yeah, man, I can't believe so you just, just did that. I can't believe you just did that to poor Leon. I don't Again, feel good inside. Like, I don't. I don't feel good gonna, in here. I'm gonna in my say, soul. That's very. I'm gonna say that's very silly and not going to happen. Let's stop pretending yeah. that Hamzat's skipping the line. He's going to fight Colby yeah. Covington in a few months. Kamar Usman is going to fight Leon Edwards. Like we're not. We're gonna stop pretending there's an, any other scenario that is going to happen. It's just the reality of the situation. It's very fun to talk about who would win and when this is going to happen. What I just laid out is going to happen. Well, I was going to add, just this morning, we saw Dana White on Pat McAfee's show saying that exact scenario where if Hamzat wins, there's a good chance he goes and fights Colby. Sign me up for that. That is a crazy fight. I think that alleviates a lot of the the complaints and problems people have with Colby of that you're not fighting these contenders, these guys coming off of wins. I don't know. Any way that this oh, goes. Oh, Dana said? Dana said? Oh, mark it down as a fact. Mark <laughs> it down. I, oh, I, I take back everything I said. I didn't know Dana had said it. What's it? I see Mike. You, you shaking your head up there. What's up? No, I know. No. Um, it's just, it, I was just kind of playing along with the whole situation. Uh, I just wanted to clarify my, my stance on the interim thing because at first AK said Gilbert Burns for the interim title. I meant Hamzat versus Leon oh, yes, for the I'm interim sorry, title. Yes. And I, the reason I misquoted. Why, yes. Come on, it's okay. AK. Misrepresenting your best friend like this? Come on. I know. But that was the reason. But the reason I want this fight is because it makes sense. It gets Leon his title fight. It's going to be in a big spot. It gives Usman more time to heal up. So he's as close to 100% as a fighter could be heading into his next title fight. Plus, no matter who wins that fight, it's automatically bigger. You know what I mean? Like sometimes interim title fights are silly and they're glorified number one contender fights. And this one would be no different in terms of the latter. But... If, if Hamzad beats Leon Edwards and gets an interim title, just build it, building that fight up as champion versus champion, it'd be a bigger fight. And if Leon Edwards somehow beat Hamzad and became interim champion, then Leon Edwards' stock goes up so high. A fight between him and Kamar Usman could not be any bigger. That's as big as it would ever get. And you're giving Leon like a much different rub, a much different one, maybe more impactful than he got even if the final two minutes of the Nate Diaz fight didn't happen. 
Like he would get a significant rub just beating him by decision. If he goes on 49-46s or 48-47s, Hamza Shamayev, immediately that fight with Kamara Usman becomes much more interesting and fascinating and people will pay money for it. So that's why I think that scenario fits well. I actually thought that was the scenario the UFC should have done as soon as Kamara finished beating Colby Covington at UFC 268. They should have went that route right away. That international fight week in the summer, we have a, a title unification bout that's absolutely gigantic at 170 pounds. But if you want to throw Hamza in there with, in there with Colby, I'm down for it. I'm all in. That's a really interesting fight, but that's just the way I would say it. I don't, I don't actually don't think Hamza's going to jump over Leon in, in that situation, but I do see that this, this could be a possibility. They do an interim fight first, especially if Usman can't fight in July. Maybe they get Hamza back in there quickly. We do a big title fight, and then it builds up for a fight maybe at MSG in November, maybe the final card of the year in December. Usman gets his time, and we have ourselves a massive, massive welterweight title fight. Well, we still have a ton left to get to on this. What's up, Jose? I, I just got to – we got to dip out to the ceremony of the Wayans in like relatively soon. So let's do – we okay. should do predictions soon. That's right. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna get to it, but also Jose, you can tip out, and we'll keep Mike because you got to set up the camera. Uh, we have a lot left to get to on this card, so quickly, let's go around the horn, make some picks. Mike, start with you. Where are you going with this one? Uh, I don't want to come off as a disrespectful jerk to uh, one of the nicest men in the sport, Gilbert Burns, but two oh, things no. are gonna happen. One, one is that both scenarios ends with Hamza Shamayev winning this fight. Either we are going to see a fight that we're going to be talking about for the rest of our lives, like a fight that eight, nine years from now will end up in the UFC Hall of Fame for fights that Hamzat will win, or Hamzat is just going to truck Gilbert Burns. Like, there's no way, I don't think there's an in between anywhere in sight. And this is no disrespect to Gilbert. Just seeing those two guys standing near each other and standing next to each other, and we'll probably see it more so. When they stand on stage at the ceremonial weigh-ins, Hamza Shemaev is just a giant human being. He is massive. He is way bigger than Gilbert Burns, and he's probably going to outweigh Gilbert by 30 pounds on Saturday night when they actually get into that cage. And I think normally size doesn't matter. Weight discrepancy matters somewhat, but not to a significant extent in my eyes. This fight is different. This fight I feel totally different about. I think the strength, the power, everything Hamza brings to the table, maybe that aura might just be a little too much for Gilbert Burns. So I think Hamzat wins. I'm going to say decision. I'm going to say we're, I'm going to say we're going to get a get a fun fight. We're going to get a, a war, but I think Hamzat's going to win. And I think he's going to win pretty convincingly. Uh, but Gilbert's Gilbert's going to go in there and give it his all, and that's all we can ask. Jose, what do you think for this fight? I'm going to give you. I'm just going to quickly give my three because I'm probably going to miss the main and Coleman. I think Hamza wins by making Gilbert Burns himself. I think Peter Yan is literally the best fighter on planet Earth, regardless of weight class. Yes, I understand Kamar Usman has the accolade Whoa. and is number one. In no, it's number one. Pound for pound, uh, number one. In That's our, what you're saying. I think Peter Yan is the best, is the most talented, well-rounded fighter on planet Earth. And if you want to argue that Alex Volkanovski is number one i'll listen to that too i think it's pretty it's a it's a race between volkanovsky yan and Usman for just all around most well-balanced talented fighter and i think peter yan wins 
probably in the fourth or fifth round because he has no wasted movement. Dustin Poirier himself says he has the best boxing in the world. He basically plays with his food inside the inside the octagon. I think he gets it done in the later rounds. Uh, and then I think I'm selfishly going to say I think the Korean Zombie will win, but I think that's a 50-50 fight. Uh, as I just said, Volkanovski also very well could be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and he's well on his way to possibly being the greatest featherweight of all time. If he beats Volkanovski, I mean, if he beats, Volkanovski beats Zombie, beats Holloway a third time, and then who knows where he goes from there. Who else does he have left to beat to prove that he's the greatest 145 in the world? So Hamzat, Piotr Jan, Volkanovski, that's Jose Young's pick for the top three fights at 273. Look at this. Jose just coming in, dropping a mic, calling Peter Jan the number one in the world, then just bailing on us. I love it. Uh, well, Jose, thank you so much for the work this week, brother. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Uh, appreciate you as always. AK, give me that pick Peace for Hamzat. Hamzat, third round, TKO. Uh, I think he's going to wear him down a bit. I think he's going to wear him down a bit. I, I have a lot of respect for Philip Burns. He's actually been my number two welterweight uh, since we started doing the MMA fighting rankings. I believe I'm the only one who has him that high. Uh, probably has something to do with his finishing rate. Quality competition is also good, but uh, I understand the de facto answer for most is, is uh, Colby Covington or for one of our voters, uh, Hamzat himself. But um, I, I'm very, very high in Gilbert. But I do think there is a ceiling for him at welterweight. Size matters. Size matters. I'm not going to say that's the only reason Shemaev's going to win. I think like that's that's not to take away from Shemaev's skill, but when you add in how good he is, plus, man, he he's going to have at least. It feels like he's going to go in there with at least 10, 15 pounds of like solid muscle going in there. Like uh, uh, Jose mentioned, what a monster Shemaev looks like in person. Now I can't attest to that, but definitely when you see them in the cage together, it's going to be real obvious. Uh, Gil Burns, a former a former lightweight. Uh, Shemayev, future light heavyweight, probably. He's probably going to end up going the Anthony Rumble Johnson route at some point. The guy is just is just so big. Um, and, I, and I think that matters. I think that's going to wear Gilbert down. I think Gilbert, you know, he'll, he'll get taken down. He's an amazing grappler. Um, he'll be able to, to, to minimize damage, I think, early on. But boy, a guy like Shemayev, a chain wrestler like him, a guy with his strength, with his, his, uh, his motor – it wears on you, you know. It wears on you. It it'll, it it would wear down like pretty much anyone. This this isn't just necessarily calling out Burns for having like a suspect gas tank or anything like that. It's just that uh, if it's if it's anywhere even below elite, Shemayev's going to wear him down. Um, and I think I think uh, like I said, I think a lot of people will be impressed just the fact that maybe uh, Burns will avoid you know be able to avoid sort of the the big kibosh. But by the third, I just see him not being able to escape a certain position and. Uh, not because he, not because of skill, just because he's worn down. And Shemaev just pounding away until we get that uh, that third round finish, and, and just ha- once again has all of us kind of in awe at uh, at the relative ease with which he, you know, with which he takes out such a respected name like Gilbert Burns. So I'm going, I am going to go with Shemaev third round finish. Oh man, all this talk of disrespect, all this talk of Gilbert Burns is not getting the love, and yet all of us are picking Hamzat Shemaev because I'm going to make it unanimous. I mean, it just it comes down to the inevitability for me. It does feel like this guy's just special. It feels like he's different, and you guys mentioned it, the size. Uh, I think that's going to be a big problem in there. I'm taking Hamzat Shemaev by a second-round finish, and I think at the end of the night, that's the story that we're all talking about the most is, is this guy just going to be – like how long, I guess, is a better way to phrase that until this guy is champion. Uh, but we shall see. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for this one. But, fellas, let's move on. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Let's talk about the actual main event here. Uh, the UFC Featherweight Championship is on the line. Alexander Volkanovsky, the Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung. We have Volkanovsky out here going for his third defense of the belt. And I have to say, man, like he has been nothing but ultra confident all week. Like I feel like we see this sometimes with champions who hold their belt for longer reigns. At some point, the, the switch kind of flips, and they really start to embody that championship aura. They really start to feel like the guy the moment they walk into any room. Uh, and it feels as if that's what we've been seeing this week from Alex. He's carrying himself like the best in the world out there in Jacksonville. Mike, what are the vibes you've been picking up from the champ? Uh, I mean, v- Volkanovski just knows. I-, I think he's kind of humbled up a little bit as well. Like he is confident, but he's not overly confident. I think he's learned a lot about himself. I think sending that tweet about Max Holloway really opened his eyes to, to say to himself like okay i'm that's not me maybe i'm maybe i'm letting this sport get the best of me maybe i'm getting a little frustrated and i don't want to be that way so he sort of took a step back and yeah the confidence is there but he's not really talking a bunch of trash like he's not really doing a lot of things he did in the build-up to the ortega fight now if the opportunity calls for it and he has to talk a little trash and respond he absolutely will but i feel like he learned a lot from the ortega fight i think he learned a lot from this holloway situation getting the change of opponent and things like that. So the confidence is is there. But I think it's also a guy that he's buying into his hype a little bit, but he's being very realistic about it because he could very easily come out on the microphone and say, I am the best featherweight in the world. I am the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And very few people would argue with, with some of those points. Some would, but some wouldn't. And, some, and most people would understand why he would do that. But he's coming out and saying the right things. I still got some more work to do. I still got time. 
I, I got things I still need to accomplish in this division. He's asked about moving up to 155. He says, no, I'm not ready yet. I still got, I still got work to do at 145. So I see, I see just a confident guy who gets it and has figured out who he is as an actual competitor. Like he's just going to go out there and let his performances do the talking. He's going to be a nice guy. He's going to be humble about it. He's going to go out there and have some fun, maybe tell a joke, maybe start an impromptu face-off on the stage when we were told there were going to be no face-offs. I think Volkanovski has been great all week. I actually think Korean Zombies have been great all week as well. He's loosey-goosey. It seems like Volkanovski's loosey-goosey, and that's only going to make for a much better fight tomorrow night to close the show. So love both guys' attitudes. I think Volkanovski comes off great. He's coming off like more of a star, and I think that's super important in this division moving forward. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And, and the way that he handled the face-off situation I thought was so key, right? Like he really right now is exuding so much confidence and just feeling again like he is the man. He is in control of any situation right now. It's very cool to see the evolution we, we're we getting from Alexander Volkanovsky. And AK, I want to follow up on that with you. I mean, there was a time when this guy was one of the most disrespected champions out there in the UFC. And I think a lot of that obviously was because of the way that second Max Holloway fight went and just how much people love Max Holloway just in general – but it does feel like things have shifted at least a little bit since that Brian Ortega fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. And so I wonder for you, does it feel like he's starting to get that respect he deserves? Does it feel like he's starting to break through in a, in a way that is very tangible? Yeah, and, and look, you, you had to. You had to have a new level of respect, regardless of where you started. Like, I'm a big Volkanovsky fan, so I respected him a ton already. But like you said, there's those doubters who are like, man, is he the real champ? Didn't, you know, didn't Max win that second fight, da-da-da? If you watched that Volkanovsky or take a fight and you didn't come on thinking, okay, there's regardless of how I felt about that Holloway, uh, the second Holloway fight, there's a very good chance this guy's the best featherweight in the world. Uh, then I think you're crazy. I, th- I think that fight had to take his reputation to another level. Uh, and, and frankly, Ortega as well. Like I said, that, that fight was just great. But um, but Volkanovsky is the is the man who made the adjustments, who came out on top of that fight, who really dominated most of that fight, again, out, outside of a, a very scary moment where he was almost choked unconscious. Um and I, I, I don't know if I can speak to the general populace and say like, ah, oh, yeah, I feel like he's become more popular. I don't know if that's the case. I think it is great that he – it does say a lot that he is the headliner on a high-profile card with uh, with a rematch that has much more heat. Let's be honest. The sterling Yawn rematch has much more heat than uh, Volkanovski Zombie. And as we've mentioned, ad nauseum that Kamzat Shemaev is fighting, fighting Gilbert Brinson. So so even though uh, you know the, the, the buzz – there might be a little bit more buzz around the two fights before him. If anything, that 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 helps the fact that this is still the headliner. At the end of the night, after we're done buzzing about whatever happened with, with Hamza and Gilbert Burns, after we're done buzzing over, oh my gosh, what happened with Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling, the man they've entrusted to close the show is Alexander Volkanovsky. And he's an A-side of the highest order because... Unlike the Ortega fights where I think, uh, you know, there, there was he was he was favored, but there was probably still a lot of people who thought Ortega had a chance. Uh, the Holloway fight, of course. I think Holloway was favored going to their rematch. He's a pretty, he's a significant favorite over the Korean Zombie. I believe Zombie is the uh, biggest underdog on the card, and that's the way it should be. So this is a showcase fight for Alex and Alexander Volkanovsky, as it should be. I do think this is a chance he's getting it knocked around a bit. Again, he's fighting the friggin' Zombie, but at the same time, uh, he also should retain it. I think in convincing fashion, either with a finish or again, re- really solid 49, 46, 50, 45 win. Um, and where does that take him after this? I don't know because there is still pretty much – even after he beats Zombie uh, – sorry, should he beat Zombie, there is the that Max Holloway 
cloud that is still looming. People still need to see that third fight. They, they still want to see Volkanovski uh, prove that he's he's better than Max Holloway one more time. So until that happens, I don't know how high a ceiling can go. But after that, when once with that and then uh, Ortega and Zombie and then the first two Holloway fights in his resume, man, that's going to be a tough, uh, tough to beat at 145. So I'm very excited for him and his prospects. And hopefully he just doesn't uh, slip on the proverbial banana peel on Saturday night. Yeah, man, he is just really starting to rack him up right now. Like the 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 resume he is putting together at 145, it's not unassailable yet, but it is looking like it's on that track to soon be unassailable. The names that that are on it, spectacular stuff. Uh, but Mike, I mean, you you mentioned Korean Zombie uh, just a few minutes ago. You mentioned you know he's having a lot of fun this week too. Like he has really handled the moment well. Uh, he he pulled his own Brock Lesnar in the press conference. You know, Monster doesn't pay me enough. This is drink my energy drink and slams down the monster on the table. Like all of it's so fun. One of the most fun fighters in the game. He's an OG, a fan favorite, and this is a really interesting spot for him because obviously he had that first title shot nine years ago. Uh, and now he's getting this second chance sort of late in his career, coming in here as a replacement for Max. 35 years old in a division that, for being frank, is is not generally kind to fighters in their late 30s. Um, when you guys spoke to him on Wednesday, he, he admitted he feels as if this is sort of his last chance to really get the belt and go on a run. And I think that's the kind of honesty we love from him. But is he right in your eyes? Like, is Saturday, is this the last chance for the zombie? Um, yeah, probably. I'm not, I'm not willing to go 100% on anything in this sport, but it probably is. And he probably, in the back of his mind, thinks that it is. And I, just based on things he said over the last couple of years, like if Volkanovski goes out there and just rolls him, like 50-45s him, there's a chance this is the last fight he ever has. I don't think that's the case, but there is that, this is a question that should be asked. Are we going to see the Korean zombie for the last time on on Saturday night in the main event of UFC 273. His attitude has been awesome. That was one of the things I was I was actually looking for this week because he's talked about open about mental health and talked about how the moments can somehow become too big for him. It could fluster him up a little bit. There's a lot of pressure. But just seeing him smile, the whole energy drink thing was tremendous. And, and let me just say this. Sean, you've covered enough events on site to know that you'll talk to coaches of these fighters, you'll talk to teammates, you'll talk to managers of these fighters and of course they're not going to say like my fighter's going to go out there and lose on saturday they're going to say the right things and sometimes you believe it and sometimes you don't eddie shaw and company the way they are acting this week they it's like they have a million dollars like they have a billion dollar bill somewhere that nobody knows about it's completely legal and they're the only ones that have it that's the way they're acting. And they're ready to take that billion-dollar bill out and show it to the world on Saturday. They feel like they have a big secret that only they know and that they're going to shock everybody. And I believe them wholeheartedly that they believe that to, with every fiber in their being. It's been real fun talking to Team Zombie this week. They really think that they're going to go out there and shock the world on, on Saturday night, that the last man standing at that press conference Saturday night is not going to be Alexander Volkanovsky. It's going to be the Korean zombie talking about what it's like to be the featherweight champion of the world. So love the confidence, not just from Volkanovski, but from Zombie and his entire team, because it's real fun to watch. When you ask Eddie Cha, he's just like, you wait, brother. You have no idea what's coming on Saturday night. It's It makes the fight more interesting for sure. Oh, I love it. I love it because I, I know exactly that feeling you mean when you when you talk to a team and they feel like they know something that the rest of the world doesn't. 
it's just that little bit it's it's just that little bit extra of entry where it's just like oh man i cannot wait to see how this plays out ak we've seen the betting lines volkanovsky is an overwhelming favorite more than eight to one on some sports books which is wild to me so i ask you what's the key here in this fight you're watching and ultimately make the pick where are you going I'm probably I'm probably in line with uh, the majority of the betting public and thinking that look Volkanovski has has just he's beaten higher level competition he's the more well-rounded fighter I, I mean I think we do kind of forget how um, how skilled uh, zombie is just because of his penchant to get into like crazy ass brawls <laughs> but uh, Volkanovski look it's it's hard it's hard not to imagine having a big speed advantage I think he's a crisper boxer I think he really I think his movement is almost unparalleled at 145 again other than the best of the best max holloway of course he would throw in there and 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 as as great as much as i love korean zombie i just do feel he is a tier below the uh the Velkanovsky holloway and uh, ortega trifecta that kind of you know is 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 the de facto top three i mean look we saw that in the ortega fight we have evidence that that uh you know Zombie is not the greatest technical striker. He can beat anybody in a Santa battle for sure, just because of his power, his persistence, his durability, his stamina. Um, and, and as Mike said, maybe there is some secret sauce they've got cooking, some game plan, and we're going to see stuff from him and, and a, an approach and a strategy that we've never seen before. That's the great thing about MMA. Every fight is different. You know, you, you, who knew Francis Ngannou was going to out-wrestle Cyril Ghosn, right? And it was just, it blew your mind. So maybe we see a, a kinder, gentler zombie. But um, again, I think we've seen the best the zombie has to offer. Um, it's, it isn't just like he's a wild man. He's, he got some technical striking too. It's just not on Volkanovski's level. Volkanovski can, can always mix in the wrestling as well. Um, he, he does that so, so great, even if his intent isn't to necessarily finish on the ground, just to break his opponent's rhythm, just to change the, the complexion of the fight. We know he can do that. And I certainly can see him doing that to the Korean zombie. So I see him just being so evasive, um, you know, take a few good cracks here and there, but he's got a, he's got a great chin. <laughs> We've seen him survive some serious, serious damage. He gets knocked down, but doesn't get finished, right? So that's big. So I think he can take uh, the Korean Zombies hits. Doesn't want to take too many, but I do think uh, we're gonna get a we're gonna get decision win for Volkanovski. I think he and I'll say it. I think we're gonna go 50-45. I think Zombie might have some moments, just not enough to take any of the rounds. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty confident about that. Uh, very convincing decision for the defending champion. Mike, I throw it to you. What's the keys here for you? What's the key in this fight and make the pick? Like Mike's muted. Oh, there you go. You're there good. we go. It's, it's, it's tough to say with a guy like Volkanovski because he's so unpredictable, but he's, and he's so well-rounded. And I truly believe Korean Zombie believes he's going to win this fight. I think he's got tools to win, and I've said this many times before. If, you, if there's one team right now, April 2022, that I want preparing me for a title fight that I didn't think I was going to have in shorter order than I than I ever thought I could get, it'd be fight ready. It'd be Eddie Cha, Henry Cejudo, that whole team over there. I think he's at the right place to, to have the opportunity to shock the world. Unfortunately, he's fighting a top three to five, at worst, top five pound-for-pound guy on the planet, and he's only getting better. The evolution of Alexander Volkanovsky has been really fascinating to watch. I think you're going to see... A more aggressive Alexander Volkanovsky. Not like a not a guy that's gonna go in and take too many unnecessary risks, but a guy who feels like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too. Like, you know, even even us saying that he's top four or five pound for pound sounds good and it sounds like we're being really respectful. And the way I approach it, 
I think it's super respectful. There are times where I actually regret putting him number four. Like I should, I'm like, oh, I should have put him number two or number three. Like I think that highly of him. But he needs to go out and finish a fight. Like he has to go out and finish a fight. If he wants to get to number one, if he wants to be in that conversation, you can win 50-45 and that's great. You might inch your way there. But if he goes out there and just rolls zombie and finishes him, then we're going to be having a different conversation. So I think it, it is competitive early. I think Volkanovski is going to get rolling. And I actually think Volkanovski is going to get his, is going to get a finish. Fifth round TKO, Alexander Volkanovski gets it done in a fight that's a, a little closer than the betting line suggests. But I think Volkanovski is going to get cooking and eventually he's going to peak at the right time. And I think he's going to do enough to put, to put zombie away. Yeah, man. It's just the thing with Alex. He's such a fascinating champion because we have so much tape of him, right? Like like we've said, I mean, he goes to decisions quite often, but it still feels like we haven't seen everything from him. Like he holds back certain aspects of his skill set. The way he approaches every fight is very different depending on the opponent. It's all just it's so calculated. Everything. He's so intelligent in there. I see Zombie just having a hard time with that, as you guys have. I think Volkanovski wins this as well. I'm probably I'm predicting a, pr- a decision as well, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and finishes it and tries to make a statement because it does feel like he's at that point where he wants to try to make a statement and really, again, cement that, hey, I'm this number one guy in the world and it's not even close. Uh, so I'm going Volkanovski as well. We shall see. But really, but now let's move on. Close out this marquee triple header here with the one that we've really been waiting for since March 2021. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yantu, the rematch, title unification, and good lord, man, if you look back at the conversation that was going on in March 2021 before that first fight, you compare it to what's going on now, the conversation, it's night and day. There is no comparison. It has been a wild ride to get here, Mike. 13 months later, what do you make of this rivalry, this whole saga, this of what it's done to Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, and really just what's on the line here Saturday for these guys? I didn't think it would be possible to have this fight grow on me as much as it has this week. I'm more excited for the, like, obviously I'm in the intrigue levels for the Shamaya Burns fight is off the charts, but in terms of where I was coming in to where I am now, my intrigue is peaked for this fight. I'm super into it. I'm all here for heel Jermaine Sterling. I loved the whole thing at the press conference with the Jaguars helmet and the rule book for dummies. I love that he leaned into it. And I know it was kind of forced upon him by the people like, them telling him basically like, you're either a guy who accepts championship belts in that way or you need to like lean into it and he sort of chose to lean into it but that's a lot man that is a lot of weight for a man to hold on to especially for as long as he's been holding on to it all the things he's had to defend the same questions over and over again dealing with Peter Jan on Twitter and dealing with everything like what he has gone through has been a lot and you could tell when he stepped on that scale today and he made weight, he just lost it. Started crying, got intense. You saw like the roller coaster of emotions sort of go through him. And that was all real. There was nothing fabricated about that. That was about a real, as real of a moment as you will see at a UFC fight week. Piotr Jan, he steps on the scale. He screamed one of the most terrifying shrieking screams ever. It was just so terrifying. <laughs> This guy, I mean, these two guys are ready to go. These are the two best Bantamweights in the world. We have been waiting for a conclusion to this. And I'm telling you right now, the way I feel about this fight, the way this fight has grown on me, this is going to be a classic. This is going to be a classic. I think Aljamain Sterling is going to win the first seven to eight minutes of this fight. And we're going to be saying to ourselves, wow, if we're picking Jan, do we pick the right guy? Did we pick the right guy here? But I think as Jan typically does in these fights... 
those moments, those early moments, maybe you call it adversity, he start his computer starts to generate more bandwidth. He starts to think a little bit more. He starts to get loose. And as the longer the fight goes, the better that man gets. So I think Sterling is quite competitive. I think the final three rounds of this fight, and I don't know why I keep going back to this, it's going to look like Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Kyle Bokniak. And what I mean by that is I think Yacht going to get loose as a goose and just start landing shots. I think he might hurt Aljamain in the third round, maybe even drop him. But Aljo is just, he's about this life. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, he is about that life. And he's going to show you that. He's going to get up after getting dropped, and he's going to get in Piotr Jan's face, and he's going to punch him as hard as he can. And these two are going to go back and forth. Jan's going to get the better of it, but Sterling's going to keep getting after it. And in the end, it's not going to be a doubt. I think everyone's going to be like, all right, Jan won this fight. But I think Sterling's going to gain more fans in the end of it. I think we're in for a classic. I think Piotr Jan wins the fight. I think he retains. I think it's a decision win, but I think it's going to be – it's 50 Gs, baby. And it's going to even going to get that fan vote. It's even going to get that fan vote for some extra crypto money for one of these guys. So looking forward to it. I think this fight steals the show, if we're being honest. I mean, AK, just straight up following up on that. Has the disrespect for Aljo gotten too out of hand? Like, this is a guy who choked out Corey Sanhagen 88 seconds not too long ago. Yeah. We have a short-term memory problem in MMA, though. What have you done for oh. me lately? Do you feel like people have forgotten how good this guy is? Yeah, it's gotten way out of hand. And and, and I know it's going to – look, I, I'm like a lot of people. I'm leaning towards Jan. But I, I, I want people to know that even if he loses twice <laughs> – oops, loses to Piotr Jan look and has the DQ win. Like, oh, 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 hey, listen. Oh, whoa. I was one of the people who had Aljo – who did push Aljo to number one in the rankings, by the way, after that fight. We didn't, we didn't all agree on that. So I was one of the people who had Aljo up. Uh, but I had him losing the fight as I was scoring it. That's for sure. It's just – it's just you know technically he won the fight, which is why I, I viewed him as – rankings wise the you know rightful number one i don't know if i thought he was necessarily a better fighter than Piotr jan i don't think that going into um into saturday's fight i'm definitely leaning towards jan but like you said Corey sanhagen pedro munoz very good win at the time jimmy rivera was a very good win at the time again these these are all wins that we diminish uh you know diminish as as time goes by cody stamen highlight real submission brett johns was actually a pretty good win at the time too so his streak is is legitimate. Like if you look at his winning streak, it's not just like he he got oh one or two good wins, just a Corey Sanhagen win. That's it. That's the only good win he had before getting the title shot. Like no, he these were all. There was a time when Aljo was disrespected. Do you remember when there was a, there was a more a somewhat of a fan sentiment like oh why can't this guy get in a main card? Why does the UFC not push Aljo? And then unfortunately, he lived long enough to become the villain. You know that that whole cliche. He really did. He 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 found success and then won a title in the most dubious manner possible. And that's something people are going to hold against him forever. Even if he beats Jan on Saturday, people are always going to say, "Well, he shouldn't have been the champion in the first place." Da da da. Um, and, and that's fine. But yes, the disrespect has gotten out of control. I think even if he loses, I still believe um, that he is one of the three best bantamweights in the world. Being a notch or two below Piotr Jan is nothing to be ashamed of. And I hope that people view it that way. I know they won't because this is MMA. If you win, you're the best. If you lose, you're the worst. Sometimes even if you win, you suck apparently. But let's let's people let's try and keep things in perspective for it. No matter what happens, it's a great, great title fight. Both these guys are in the top five, I think top three of the deepest division in the sport. So let's not be too harsh, though. I get the feeling if Aljo wins, um, he he might not handle it in the classiest way at first. He might have some words for for the media, for the public, and for everyone. Who, uh, who came at him after he won the title last March. 
as he should. That would be completely warranted. If Aljo wins, I hope he just goes full scorched earth, stone cold on this. Like he just deserves to tell everybody to F off and just cut like a 15 minute promo at this point. Uh, Mike, last thing for you, and then we'll make picks because I know you got to go here in a second. One aspect of this fight that seems to be flying under the radar. Aljo just had very serious neck surgery. And we saw it this week. Our own Damon Martin spoke with Alan Joban on Fighter versus Writer, his podcast. For those that don't know, Alan Joban had a very similar neck surgery to Aljo and ultimately kind of like ended his career. I remember, I think the quote actually was, when you get this neck surgery, you lose anywhere from 20 to 30% of mobility is what he said about it. Is this being overlooked? Like, what are your expectations for an Aljamain Sterling who we really haven't seen for more than a year at this point? Um, I, I don't know if it's being overlooked. I think it's part of the story for sure. It's just, it's such an unknown that we, I mean, until this fight happens, we really don't know the answer, right? Like Alan Joban, maybe the way he handled it is different. The same, same surgery Tristan Connolly got, he lost his first fight on the way back. Chris Weidman's had the surgery and he's come back and won some fights. He's lost some, but he's also won some. So it, it's different strokes for different folks. Some people recover from that stuff better. Al just had a lot of time off. Even when he took the fight in October, he knew he wasn't ready. His body was trying to tell him, like, I'm not ready for this. But I'm going to go through and try to do the UFC a solid here. And then as the fight got closer, there he was just like, I can't do it. Like, I, I just I, I know my, myself too much at this point. I can't do it. He's not having any doubts right now. So at least for now, I'm going to take Aljamain Sterling at his word. I do respect the opinion of Alan Joban and others who have had that surgery. But the fact that Aljamain Sterling is here and he is as confident as he has ever been and he has that look in his eye, the way he acted at that weigh-in this morning when, when he stepped on the scale and made weight look like a champion, it tells me everything, at least to that point, that I need to know. That I feel confident taking Aljamain Sterling at his word, that he's going to come out and and, and give it his all. We'll see how that neck holds up through a 25-minute war with one of the best fighters on the planet. But at least for now, I'm going to take Aljo at his word. And I respect the other opinions, but I think Aljo's going to come out and have a great performance, one that his stock rises on. But if he's going to be Piotr Jan, neck injury, neck surgery, recovery or not, he's going to have to have a perfect fight. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It, it's, it could hinder him a little bit, but unless he's out there and he's perfect and mistake-free for 25 minutes... He's not going to win this fight. So that's probably more important to me than the recovery because he seems like he's in good spirits and he doesn't seem like he's worried about it all that much. Well, Mike, let's get you out of here quickly. Make the pick for me. Where are you going on this? Piotr Jan. Piotr Jan becomes the Bantamweight champion of the world. Titles are unified. Tremendous fight. It will be the fight of the night, and it's going to leave both men in a better spot than they were heading in. I can't wait for it. I think this fight's going to rule the world. This is the fight we were expecting to have when it first happened. This is for the Intercontinental Championship. This is Brett the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a classic. Both guys' stocks are going to, are going to rise. The disrespect for Aljamain Sterling is going, to, is going to drop a little bit. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Be realistic. It's going to drop a little bit. But Piotr Jan is, gonna, is, is, just, is just the better fighter, in my opinion. And that's no shame. I'm not trying to disrespect Aljo. He has helped was a huge reason why I'm so excited about this fight. But in the end, I think Piotr Jan gets his hand raised. Dana what wraps the belt around his waist. And three years from right now, we're going to get that trilogy fight. And I can't wait for it. Three years. Three years. That's gonna a long happen. time. It's going to happen. It's going to be late in their careers, but it's going to happen one more time. they got to do it one more time. Settle it. 
All right, well, I love it. Mike, you've been killing it all week in Jacksonville. We appreciate you for joining us, man. Go out there, go to weigh-ins, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Gentlemen, love you. Thank you. My best friend. AK. It's just yes. me and you now, baby. Hey, Casey, come in here. Casey, come in here too. We're oh, yes, yes. We got the case man. Yeah. We're going to get to the peeps here in a second, but AK, last thing here on this fight. We talk about Hamzat being inevitable and the, the aura of inevitability around him. Do you feel like there is a bit of that around Peter Yan as well? And I guess where is your pick? Uh, no, I think I think Pierian's dominance is a little different. I think we've talked a lot about how he's kind of a robot, and and, and the beauty of him is how he adapts. Um, does he have the potential to, to you know beat a guy bell to bell for twenty five minutes? Probably. And, and it's not so much that he's playing around. I just do think he's really smart about how he handles his business, and he wants to leave zero room for error as far as like you know making a mistake or leaving an opening that might prove costly later. So yeah, he can give up a round early on. He can give up a round early on without necessarily like taking damage. You know what I mean? And 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 I know that. It sounds like oh well why wouldn't you just dominate every round it's like it's it's a lot easier said than done when you're at the very very peak of your division again bantamweight i think the best division in the sport right now so uh i think his approach is very very smart uh i think it's the same approach he'll have against uh, aljamain sterling i think he's gonna drop one of the first three rounds but should still be ahead on the cards again uh, last fight uh, last uh, march Sterling was up on on one of the one of the cards people tend to always kind of overlook one of the judges had a form i don't agree with that but he was doing something to win over one of the judges. So who knows how the fight would have gone uh, if it had gone to the fifth. I imagine uh, Piotr Jan would have been up 3-1 and then the other the card that had Aljo up would have been 2-2. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I don't Maybe not. But I am expecting this to be a coronation of sorts for Piotr Jan. I thought the fight with Corey Sanhagen was friggin' amazing. I thought for sure watching that fight, there is no way Piotr Jan is not the best man in the world at 135. Uh, it was just such a spectacular performance. And then there's the whole body of work before that and uh, you know what we saw in the first Sterling fight. So pretty confidently picking Jan here. Um, I want to say, I want to say, Shaheen, I did, I did run a poll. For those of us oh. who are listening to this in, in podcast form later, I did run a, a poll at the beginning of the show on YouTube. Okay. Uh, I meant I to run two polls, but uh, I just, you know, now at least we have a lot of data for this one. How many new undisputed champions will there be after UFC 273? 46% saying one, and I assume the majority of that one means they think Piotr Jan will beat uh, Aljamain Sterling. And I, I assume uh, it's not the, the main event. So I am with that 46%. I think we do see one new undisputed champion. Uh, and it will be Piotr Jan. And it's going to end in the fourth round again, Shaheen. But this time with a definitive finish, not a disqualification. Uh, fourth round knockout or technical knockout for the interim champion, Piotr Jan. Look at that. Man, I don't want to make it unanimous on all these fights. I feel like we're all going the same way. But also it seems like everyone is sort of going the same way. Like We need Jed here. We need Jed. Oh, well, I can't believe I said that. Oh, God. Oh, I, oh, first of all, oh, I can't believe I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. But it's just everybody is a giant favorite in these big three fights for the most part. <laughs> Everyone's a big favorite in these big three fights. And every time I feel like we see this sort of setup where we have you know several fights that are major fights that big odds for all of them, there's always one upset. There's always one surprise, right? To me, it feels like that surprise, the most likely version of it would be Aljamain because he has A, so much to prove. He's coming in here with such a massive chip on his shoulder, but also B, because he is just such a good fighter, period. Like he is so <laughs> overlooked and underrated at this point in his career. We talk again about the Corey Sanhagen fight, like all these impressive performances. Everyone's forgotten about it. I too think Peter Jan should win this fight, but something in me, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think something weird is going to go on and not weird in the same sense we saw last March. 
But I think Aljo is going to come out here and shut a lot of people up. And again, I hope if he does that, that he cuts the most killer five-minute promo just telling everybody in the world to F off because he deserves it at this point. I'm going Aljo for the upset. Uh, Casey, my man, let's bring in the peeps. Let's get to the questions. Uh, let me just say, if I if I had to make an upset pick, I actually think of the three, if I only had to pick one who I think is going to get the upset, I would actually would pick Gilbert. Fair. Casey, Keep in mind, I mean, he of the three. My of number three. two. My, my number two. Uh, uh, Walter Wade in the world right now. Casey, of the three, if one had to be an upset, who would you pick? Uh, top to bottom, Gilbert, um, Zombie, then then Sterling. I pick, I pick, oh. Actually, I think Jan, of the top three fights, I think Jan has the strongest. I'm most confident in Jan mm, winning. Fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. I, I, and and like I said this on the weigh-in show. It is not because I think Aljo sucks or he's a good or he's just a terrific actor or whatever. I just think Jan's that good, and Sterling is just the second best bantamweight in the world. Well, in the UFC at least. Sure. Totally I can't fair. Think Corey, I mean, yeah, you know. I just think yeah, you just, can't, Jan, Jan you can't is say just, Corey's better than Sterling. You're gonna open a can of worms. Hey, I can say I can I can easily say that. I I just no, that's no that's not. He issue. lost in 88 seconds like a year ago. Yeah, so he got me. Certainly got knocked out by Marias. It's yeah. like MMA math. MMA math. That doesn't work. Sure. It's going to be fun. I can't yeah. wait to see it because something something's going to happen in one of these three fights that we're not expecting. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, what's, what's going to be that? And this is what I think why we love MMA is what's going to be that? Holy shit. I did not see that coming of those top three fights. And one of those fights are going to have that. It's just it's just going to be I don't know which one. I personally think it's going to be the Gilbert Burns fight. I think something I think that's going to be the crazy thing. It could be crazy in the Hobbs that way, too. But uh, I just think that that's the fight. They're, they're most that, that fight has the most unknowns by far, I think. I think well, let's uh, answer some and, questions yeah. here because we've we've had a lot of people stick with us for over uh, an hour. Yeah. Now. So let's get zombie zombie knocking out Volkanovski would just be insane. Yeah, that would just like. That would shake me to my core and would totally F up our rankings, by the way. I don't even know what we do with our rankings in that situation. Oh, <laughs> no man. idea. That would be fun. That would be a fun zom- How can you put zombie number one? He's lost like Ortega. And be, I, I don't think he'd be uh, Holloway. AJ McKee, best, I, best featherweight in the world. Uh, it might be time. You know what? AJ McKee, if you're out there, you should be rooting for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is your time. This is your he just, he just kind of defaults his way to the top because everyone <laughs> keeps knocking each other off. All right. Default. <laughs> so what's, on, what's on y'all's mind? All right, here we go. Let me throw, throw some questions up there. Oh, all right. This one's coming from Scott McCrate. He says, with Aspen Ladd making weight safely, does that change your pick for Ladd Pennington? Who you got? AK, let's go to you. Making weight safely is an interesting way of putting it. I I do think if anyone who watched the weigh-ins, it it was the most comfortable she looked going up to the scale in a long time. She was all smiles after. She hit the pose. She looked looked like she was in really, really, really good shape. I actually hadn't really cut it in my head. I don't know if I'd made a pick for this fight. I'm aware that... uh, I'm just looking down. Pennington's about close to about a two to one favorite again. It probably depends where you're betting. So about about a two to one favorite. So pretty substantial. Uh, and I'm seeing Lad about plus one fifty underdog. Mm, I probably would have picked Pennington going in before, certainly before this morning. I that's a good question, Scott. I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I am a believer in Aspen Lad's talents. It, it is kind of the weight cutting, uh, some of the inconsistency that has always been an issue for me. So the fact that she got over this hurdle and seemed to do so again convincingly—that that's 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 really big. Uh, and again, that's not a takeaway from Pennington, really tough, gritty, well-rounded fighter. But I think Lad 
I think her upside is certainly higher. I think she, as long as again, can get all this stuff sorted out, I think she still is a top, potential top five contender. Um, I am going to go and say, yes, Scott, I've changed my pick. I'm, I'm going to go with Lad. Uh, I like Lad in this fight. As, as if I've, I've, I've always been high on Lad. She just obviously has issues making that weight. We don't know what those issues are. Is it bad diet? Is it just her her just her body just isn't cutting weight properly i don't know you know every especially if the females you know we've, we've heard lots you know they just women cut weight differently you know the way the way the weight falls off but lada full potential i think is really really good and um i i remember seeing maybe i think her second professional fight when she was a flyweight in invicta and i remember watching her go "Ooh, she is gonna be good so uh i think this i think i'm hoping for lad's sake and for the bantamweight division the ladies bantamweight division i'm hoping lad has a good performance and um we get we finally get to see the full potential of aspen lad i think we've been waiting for and i think i think i think i think uh, we might i think this might be the time and raquel pennington is a fantastic test it's well, that was what i was gonna say is pennington's like kind of the perfect test right because she you don't want to you you don't, i don't use the word gatekeeper flippantly and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way because if you're a gatekeeper you're inherently one of the best because you're sort of holding that spot for others. She's the highest level. But she is like the highest level gatekeeper in this division, right? Like she loses to the to the women that, you know, we I think all of us consider the best, Holly Holmes, the Jermaine Aranami, Amanda Nunes, but otherwise she beats everybody else. So this is a tremendous test for it. I actually think this is really great matchmaking. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I, and uh, the, man, the original match was uh, Aspen Lab versus Aldana, which is also a – awesome awesome fight but uh, this is a great replacement fight and i actually i think this fight makes more sense honestly because i would hate for two prospects to knock each other out and i don't think pennington or i don't think the ufc is going to give pennington a title shot anytime soon so that's why i like this fight a lot yeah let's get a couple more questions in here before we wrap Uh, hold on a lot of comments and uh uh, okay here we go we haven't talked and bring some other fights we haven't talked about all right. This one's coming from Alex, who says, "Will Marco Madsen teaming up with Cejudo improve his game and make him a contender?" It's an interesting question, man. I mean, that team out of there, fight ready. Mike was talking about it earlier in the show. They are crushing it right now. Like they are low key one of the best teams in the game right now. And the way they approach a lot of this, like I, I've you know talked to, to Captain Eric out there and seen a little bit of the Neuroforce One and a lot of the scientific approach they take to these camps. It's very different. It's very different from a lot of different teams, and it's very effective. I mean, AK, what do you think about this question? Listen, they might have been the difference in the uh, third Figueredo-Moreno fight. I mean, if if you consider those guys to be super, super, super close, if Fight Ready made him even like 2% better, that might have been the difference between Figueredo, again, walking out of that with uh, another loss to Moreno or becoming the champion as he is now. So, so you know, look, he's talking a big game. Sometimes the social media antics get in the way of like, you know, what a brilliant <laughs> fighter he actually is. And you have to imagine his coaching and the team, like I said, there at Fight Ready is legit. They, and, and having a guy like him at, at the, as the face of it, as the front of it. He he knows what it takes. He's team up. This is also got to remember. This is two Olympians teaming up here. Of course, uh, Cejudo once once the youngest ever to win a gold medal. Uh, that record was has since been broken. But once the youngest ever to win a gold medal for the United States, uh, Marco Madsen himself a silver medalist in wrestling. I mean, so so they're coming from uh, the same background, right? As well that that same kind of uh, different countries, but certainly the same kind of discipline, the same kind of training. That goes a long way, man. That goes a long way. Uh, and if you, and you have to give credit to a guy like O'Madson who 
probably could have stayed closer to home, stayed in the, you know, the comfy confines of whatever his original training camp. And to say, I am really dedicating myself to becoming a contender. This is kind of a two-part question. Can he improve his game? Yes. Will he actually become a contender? I'm I, honestly, I am skeptical. It doesn't help that it is lightweight. Uh, we say I think bantamweight's the deepest division. Lightweight historically has been one of the deepest. It's it's never far off. It never really has a down period. There's just so much talent uh, at 155. So he'll get better. We'll see more of Marco Madsen on main cards. I think we might see him headline a fight night in the future. I think he has a lot of potential. He can be a really tough out. I think we can see him ranked. I think we'd see, we could see him make the top 15 of the illustrious MMA fighting global rankings. <laughs> Do I think he's a contender? Do I think he gets a title shot? I'm going to go a, a pretty firm no. I mean, one thing to point out too, he is 37, right? Like I know we all look of him and think of him as a prospect, but he's 37 in a, another division where – old guys just don't really do well at a certain point historically like there it falls off at a certain point at 155 uh in that division and i don't know i don't know if he's there yet or not it doesn't seem like it because obviously he's still on the way up but that's something to think about as well casey uh, captain eric has started calling him the blood axe what do you think yay or nay on the blood axe He's like going. He's trying to lean into this Viking thing. Like he's that. from Denmark. You like the blood axe better or the Olympian? Because that's what Mark seems to like. Uh, I'll go. I'll go the Olympian because I'm going to assume the O in Marco Madsen stands for Olympian. That's why I just. Assumed. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, like that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, you can, you can take that one, Sahud. I'll give you that one. Get rid of the blood axe, but um, no, I like Marco Madsen a lot. Um, think he's really good. I don't think he's a title contender. But I think he's just an exciting fighter uh, with a good story. And, you know, him being 37, but he is fighting a 39-year-old, uh, Vince Pichel. And um, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I assume originally this wasn't the first fight in the pay-per-view. I, I assume it was going to be Kelvin and um, versus whoever, uh, one of those yeah, middleweight Nasr- matchups. Nas- Nasr- yeah, Nasruddin, yeah. Well, yeah, one yeah. of those rotating middleweight fights that never happened. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, Matt sounds fun. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really – contender I'll, I'm, I'm gonna go and say no but um you know we'll see him around we'll see him around he's a good quality fighter all right well let's get one more in here and then we got to take off all right, all right uh, give us what you got people come on come on youtube it's kind of it i want to talk about him i like this question because it's kind of a negative question but let's talk about oh. this gentleman Oh, I saw that. Okay. Uh, so this one's coming from D-Rock, who says, how bad of a lo- how bad is a loss for Ian Gary, given the UFC's push? It's an interesting question. I will go ahead okay. and say... Okay. Oh, go for it. Casey, I'm going to no, go, no, go ahead and say it. very bad, because of all the fights on this card, we talk about, uh, as much as everyone's excited about this main card, the top three fights, betting-wise and straight picks-wise, are like all about 90% for one guy. Ian Gary actually has the highest percentage. 91% of people are picking him to win. So, and the UFC put this has, outside of being on the pay-per-view main card, the top main card fights, this is the most important spot on the card. This is the featured, uh, what do you call it, the featured prelim. You know, so technically the most eyes are going to be watching this fight. So Ian Gary has a lot of eyes on him for this fight. He's fighting in Florida where he trains. So he should have a, you know, I don't know, maybe have a good crowd there. I'm not sure if the... The, the Irish will come out to Jacksonville, you know what I mean? But uh, it'll be very bad if he loses. Um, yeah, that was just that was suck for him. And UFC is definitely putting putting a lot of marketing push behind him. And credit to Ian Gary for doing his job as a prize fighter and really getting his name out there. You know, 
like it or love it, man, love it or hate it. Sorry, love it or hate it. Um, he's doing his job as a prize fighter. So, uh, but the, the he loses tonight, uh, tomorrow. That would suck. It is bad. It, I mean, it's kind of weird too because people are talking about Darian Weeks as if he's just like some can, like as if he's just some rando dude. It's like this guy just fought Brian Barberina in his UFC debut last time, and like if you look at MMA decisions, and almost half the people think he won that fight. Like it's it was a close, very yeah. competitive fight, and Brian B- Barberina doesn't suffer fools. Like he doesn't lose to mm-hmm. just nobody, right? Uh, this is a legitimate guy, and, and Ian Gary kind of got touched up a little bit in his UFC debut. Like maybe there's some holes there. I mean, AK, what do you think? I think it's bad immediately for the reasons that Casey said. I think long-term, I think long-term now is actually the time for him to take one of these weird losses. I think people, it sucks when, of course, when it happens at the UFC level, it happens on, it's going to happen on ESPN, national television. A lot of fighters who go on to become, you know, great future champions, they have their first loss, like kind of some obscure, uh, Kamar Usman, what's his, what's his one loss? It's to like, um, it was like his second fight of his career or something. It's the second fight of his career. Yeah. And, and obviously he was, you know, he wasn't anywhere near the level of, of fame back then, but, Imagine if that had happened in his like second UFC fight instead of just his second pro fight. At the time, yeah, it would have sucked, but then we would have moved on. This is kind of the case for me in Gary. Also, as you said, Darren Weeks is not like a bad fighter. Uh, he's more experienced, yeah, yeah. Uh, tough. He just came off a really tough fight, like you said, with Barbarina. So it'll bring the trolls right out of the woodwork for sure. A guy he calls himself the future. He's this He's this hot shot coming out of Cage Warriors. It's this obvious he says he's the best talker since Connor and Chael. He's, like, he, he, listen, he, he, he's, he's done it himself. It. He has pushed himself well. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not just a product of the UFC hype machine. He said, hey, you want to push me? I'm going to do my... You take me half the way, I'm going to push myself the other half of the way. And he's done a great job of it, and that's awesome. But And, and that's why losing now... Again, it'll it'll he's gonna deal with a lot of crap, a lot of crap from the public, and that's fine. But I, I, he he strikes me as the kind of guy though who's also ready to deal with that, who's ready to take a loss, who's ready to learn from that loss, as a lot of great champions do. Um, so uh, it, it's it's a distinct possibility he does lose. I know we just talked about the top, topology uh, poll, ninety one percent or something. Certainly biggest, doesn't that's possible. The biggest, big, biggest biggest favorite in the card. Sure, sure, and and, and losing as the biggest favorite, uh, you know, among the common crowd, it sucks. But uh, I don't think it's 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 this. It'll it'll make or break him. I think it, now is the time to take a loss like that, learn from it, and uh, and he'll get better from it. So, you know me, I'm Mister Positivity. I'm already like I'm already like I'm already mending the wounds before they've even happened. Um, but I don't I don't think it's that terrible. Yeah, right now, whatever his the, the people who don't like him, critics can have a big laugh at it. But at some point down the road, we'll just we'll look back at his, as a blip if if he learns from it, becomes a, of course a great a great contender. Also, I will say, give credit to Ian Gary for his self-awareness in some respect, right? Because he is out here saying, like, I know I have holes in my game. I know I'm not ready yet. I don't want this fast track. I want to take it slow. I'm still very young and I have a lot of room to grow. So he, he, he seems to be very aware of all of this, too. So it'll be interesting, man. It's a good test. I like it as a, as a good early test here for his UFC career. Uh, and, hey, let's get, get out of here with that. Wait, wait last, been- qu- last question because, because mm, I got to ask. Hold on real quick. <laughs> Alex I mean, wants to know E. Casey laid in her Hamzat. I mean, that's a close that, one. I don't know. It, I would just is say my, two my, undefeated my, fighters. Yeah, two, <laughs> two tremendous wrestlers. 30-24 E. Casey Lydon. Listen, listen. But my, my next flip. my next fight will be at I'm, I'm moving down the lightweight. So unfortunately, oh we have a weight class issue. So it just can't happen. But I wish him all the luck. You know, I have nothing bad to say about him. Uh, but listen, I, do go- I, I haven't seen uh, Hamzat really take a hit in there. Uh, I've seen Casey Lydon. I've seen his chin. This man has a chin. I've seen him take a hit. 
one that gave me a heart attack uh, <laughs> when I was watching the fight, and just gr- and just fight through it against against a, a considerably younger opponent. Uh, with all respect, with all respect to uh, to Fritz Rondorf, but. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think this is an easy minus three hundred, Casey. I don't know. Maybe it may, maybe higher. I don't, I'm not sure what buying you guys into in the, the hype. Yeah. Buying into the hype train, big time. <laughs> I'm so convinced. Oh, I disappeared. All right, well, uh, where am I? Where? where and that's it? and he's out of here. I'm out. He's I'm out. out. Just <laughs> mic on. <laughs> uh, but hey, this has been wonderful. We appreciate everyone, all of y'all out there for joining us. Uh, also, Mike Heck and Jose Youngs for joining us earlier in the show, killing it out there in Jacksonville. It has been a very fun week. This is the best card of 2022 already. We know that. We've said it. It's stacked top to bottom. We didn't even get to some of these fights. We didn't even talk Tisha Torres versus Mackenzie Dern or all these other different fights in the card. That's how stacked this is. I can't wait. Thank you, AK Lee, for joining me. The Prince of Positivity, as always. And thank you, EK Sulated. Undefeated. The man. He's man on the boards. He's the producer. He's the best producer in the business. And we appreciate all y'all for tuning in. This week, not only today, but just all throughout the week. Keep it locked to MMA fighting. We have official way or ceremonial weigh-ins here soon. We got all sorts of stuff coming over the next 48 hours. It's going to be a fun ride. I can't wait for it. Hope you have a great rest of your Friday, Saturday, whenever you're listening to this. And hey, enjoy the fights. Happy birthday, AK. It's not my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, AK. Nope. Cancel the surprise party. Jeez. Oh, what? <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.